welcome to another episode of our Euronet Plus Green Deal podcast, where together with correspondents from our European radio network, we delve into the impact of the European Union's green transition on our daily lives. You are accessing this podcast via the internet, of course. Indeed, the internet has revolutionized the way we communicate, work, play, shop, pay our bills and find information. The magnitude of this change is probably not yet fully understood. Thanks to the World Wide Web, www, we move around less, which means less transport pollution. We don't need to print documents, post letters or drive to meetings. The reduction in these more tangible forms of pollution has led to a widespread belief that digitalization is good for the planet. Yet, more and more people are sounding the alarm about the environmental impact of our digital love affair. The European Environment Agency says that we generate 10 million tons of electronic waste each year in Europe. But in fact, the effects of digital pollution go far beyond this e-waste. What is the impact of our internet use on the climate? The impact of all the photos, the videos we post every day on social media, of the movies we stream at night. Our colleagues across Europe have asked experts, consumers, activists for their take on whether digitalization is good or bad for our planet. And we start in Portugal, where Francisco Ferreira, president of Zero, a Portuguese environmental NGO, told Cristina from Radio Renascença that at the moment there is very little data to go on. But he suspects that the environmental benefit of digitalization are not as great as we would like to believe. É efetivamente dramático, diria eu, fazer a contabilização efetiva daquilo que que é a nossa poluição digital. Mas... It's certainly challenging to put a real figure on our digital pollution, but we have a sense that the savings we're making through going digital for example by opting for teleworking over commuting, by using computers and digital technologies instead of consuming vast amounts of fuel and emitting a range of pollutants, are not taking us down from 100 to zero. O computador ou acima de tudo as tecnologias digitais não é passarmos de 100 para zero. We now cross Europe to go to Estonia. Our colleague Mart from Radio met with Anneli Ovril, the CEO of Let's Do It World. Ovril confirms that the pace of digitalization and our unchecked use of digital equipment are having a snowball effect. All those individual clicks really do add up. If we take a parallel from the physical world, we also think that one plastic straw, one plastic bag, one coffee cup, that's nothing. But we have still banned plastic bags in the European Union. We have implemented directives to ban single-use plastic containers and straws. One coffee cup doesn't do anything, but the fact that we all use them every day is a problem. It's the same when it comes to digital. One picture or one email does not emit much CO2, but the fact that we are all doing this every day makes the effect really big. But well, the ball is rolling now and there is no way back. This is why the EU's digital strategy stands shoulder to shoulder with the Green Deal as two main priorities going forward. However, can the green and digital revolutions really go hand in hand? It is clear that while our digital activities may not leave a giant carbon footprint, 
they do still generate greenhouse gases. So let's start by trying to glean a better understanding of how digitalization pollutes. In Brussels, Miriam from RTBF Media interviewed Guillaume Pitron, a journalist, documentary maker and author, with a special interest in digital pollution. He explains why even a simple like is polluting. Poster une vidéo naturellement pollue, cette vidéo, elle doit être euh, téléchargée depuis un centre de stockage de données. Posting a video clearly pollutes. This video has to be downloaded from a data storage center. In other words, a huge hangar containing the servers holding the world's memory. These servers are scattered all over the world. There are three million data centers on Earth. Connecting to a data center means having a Wi-Fi box, fiber, or connection to a 4G antenna. The distance to a data center is also bridged by underground or underwater cables. In fact, to watch a simple video, to send a simple like, we connect each day to a gigantic infrastructure made of metal, concrete and fiber optics, an infrastructure powered by electricity, itself produced from coal, natural gas, oil or uranium. And this infrastructure is becoming the biggest thing man has ever built. This pollution is experiencing a sharp rise simply because we are living in an ever more digital world. Digital already accounts for about 4% of greenhouse gas emissions. That's more than all the planes flying overhead. But at the rate our digital use is growing, that 4% of greenhouse gas emissions is expected to double by 2025, in three years time. It seems obvious to point out that to be able to use our smartphones Tablets, PCs and related applications, games, movies, we need electricity. This means that the environmental impact of this digital activity depends on the energy sources used to produce the required electricity. Italian Antonio Lobosco from Energy Strategy, Milan's Polytechnic Research and Consulting Group has been collaborating with Microsoft in a five-year investment plan to create a large data center in Italy. In an interview via Zoom, Giulia from Radio 24 asked him for more detail. Facciamo questa distinzione. I nostri programmi, anche quello che stiamo utilizzando adesso, Zoom, può trovarsi sul nostro computer oppure sul cloud, come si suol dire, quindi su un server da qualche parte. Ecco. Let's start by clarifying one thing. Our programs, even the one we're using right now, Zoom, can be installed on a PC or accessed via the cloud, in other words, on a server somewhere. Well, both our PC and the server need electricity to function. Clearly, everything we do on our PC needs electricity, and so produces pollution. Why is this? Because this electricity must be generated somehow. Whether this energy powers our device or a server, it has an environmental impact. Can we say that when we send an email we have a corresponding carbon footprint of, say, 20 grams of carbon dioxide? Not really, because this depends on a lot of factors. To give two extremes, 
If my company's servers are located here in Italy, and these servers are powered from the Italian grid, which produces on average 250 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour, then I'll have a certain environmental impact. But if my servers are based in China, where the power grid is more than twice as polluting as Italy's, producing around 550 grams per kilowatt hour, then the impact will be very different. This means that we do not have the same impact on the climate watching Netflix in Italy as we do in Estonia or catching up with our friends in Germany and those in Lithuania because the greenhouse gas emissions generated by electricity production differ considerably from one member state in the EU to the next. Every country uses different sources of energy to produce its electricity and it goes without saying that some sources are more polluting than others. According to data from the European Environment Agency, Estonia, Poland, Cyprus and Greece had the largest electricity-related carbon footprints in the EU in 2020, while Sweden, France and Lithuania boasted the smallest due to their high use of nuclear power and renewable energy sources. We can and should be more aware of digital pollution and limit our web-based activities. Yet it is clear that what matters most is how cleanly the electricity powering our servers and devices was produced. For this reason, Andrius Chattas, co-founder of the Lithuanian eco-awareness initiative Unpacked, believed that real change can only be achieved through the actions of large companies and national governments. He was speaking to Euronet Plus member station Gino Radias. As individuals, we cannot take full responsibility. Rather, we must put pressure on those who can make a bigger difference. Yes, we can all, as I mentioned, watch lower quality videos instead of insisting on 4K resolution. This is about energy efficiency. We can also, for example, stop sending meaningless videos to each other that are not really necessary. Just reduce spam in general. But I want to stress that the companies that provide internet access and those with the servers that host the internet have the power to do far more, not to mention the countries that can exert influence on them. This is the bottom line. So it is crucial for big tech companies to take responsibility for their huge energy consumption, making a conscious choice to locate their data centers in countries where the electricity grid is cleaner. Some of them are already doing so. But smaller companies and individuals can also help to save energy and limit pollution, including by making greater use of cloud computing, because it centralizes data in these large data centers, as Antonio Lobosco explains to Radio 24. Beh, non c'ho numeri da portarti, però la considerazione è questa che Well, I don't have any numbers to give you, but the point is that concentrating data in large data centers, where they use higher spec machines and the whole setup is run by specialists, should be, at least in theory, more efficient. We're talking about a more than 50% reduction in the carbon footprint at an equal level of performed activity. So this is the first step. Centralization instead of using the individual user's individual PC. Then the next thing, once everything has been centralized, as that seems to be the better option, is how the data center's energy is produced. Because the actual problem is, and here we go back to the energy transition, how we produce electricity. 
ma questa energia io come la produco. Lobosco also explains that there's a benefit in the so-called power purchase agreements or PPAs which can be drawn up between an electricity producer and a big electricity consuming business at an agreed price over a fixed term. Because these agreements can set out how the electricity being purchased must be generated. It makes companies more aware of their impacts on the environment and it helps to encourage a move towards renewables. So what else can be done? Well, every little counts, says Justin Toms, an online media and marketing expert and a member of Bulgaria's interactive advertising bureau. Even just clearing out your digital trash folders on a regular basis. The good news is that the latest technologies make it possible for created content, especially videos, not to remain permanently in the digital space. This is the principle behind Instagram Reels and Stories. TikTok is also based on this principle. It is not content that stays forever, because it's become clear that if everyone keeps churning out huge amounts of video content, there is nowhere to store it. It's also very important that we regularly clean up after ourselves on our devices and in virtual space, just like we empty our bins every day. Otherwise, we're building up huge quantities of digital waste that will probably still be here decades after us. There are also many moral issues that we need to resolve. On the one hand, humanely, and on the other, legally. There are people who died years ago, but their Facebook profiles and photos and videos that they generated are still out there. There are also businesses that no longer exist but the content they generated still stands. We have yet to work out how to deal with this digital waste. Beyond this issue, however, there is a broader, a more fundamental discussion. Some people are starting to question the whole digital premise on which society is now based, with social media in particular coming under fire for causing more problems than it solves. Professor Susanna Jelic-Fischer director of the Institute of Media Communications at the University of Maribor in Slovenia, was asked by RTV Slow how younger generations have been shaped by the existence of the Internet. Of course, there are generations that spend a lot of time and are very active in this digital environment, and they function very differently. These generations are characterized by competition and multitasking. They perceive life and the world very differently. They have a different sense of humor. They prioritize things differently, and so on. The fact is that the use of the internet has changed us. When might you need a digital detox? Of course, this is a question of our own judgment on the one hand, and also about what we actually want to achieve through these activities and posts. First of all, I think Instagram is a medium that relies a lot on social distinction. You have to show off your success, your money, your abilities. It's a pretty manipulative and aggressive medium in that. In Poland, our colleagues from Polskie Radio ask the same question to Polish sociologist Jan Śpiewak. And he goes further than his Slovenian colleague, citing social media's negative influence on human behavior, including on consumerism and therefore on greenhouse gas emissions. 
Instagram przede wszystkim myślę jest takim medium, które polega na prawda, dystynkcji społecznej. Trzeba pokazywać swój... First of all, I think Instagram is a medium that relies a lot on social distinction. You have to show off your success, your money, your abilities. It's a pretty manipulative and aggressive medium in that sense, because we all compare ourselves to these celebrities holidaying in Zanzibar. We want to go there too, but these are not really our needs. They are needs created by this relentless comparison machine. The same goes for clothes, constantly buying new things, going to expensive restaurants and so on. Today, social media is driving this consumerism, and I think that's the main problem with it. Instead of acting as a tool to mobilize all of us towards some kind of community solutions so that we can deal with things together, it actually promotes individualistic and hedonistic forms of social life, or rather, Anti-social life. But all is not lost, insists Colin van Morsel, a 22-year-old Belgian student and climate activist. He is working alongside hundreds of other young people to create a new social media platform called Curve, which will focus solely on useful content. There will be no followers, no likes, only calls for action. Our RTBF colleague ask him whether he believes that Curve can find its place with young people today. I dare to hope so. I have a problem at the moment. I think what TikTok and the like have done well is to take advantage of the fact that we are taught to be more individualistic, to rise above others, to seek a high place in society, to be rich. That's how we see success today. I hope Curve will change that, but I'm a bit worried that it won't have the same influence on everyone. But maybe it's a good first step. You can listen more of all these stories in local languages on our radio station's platforms. You can check their address on our website, euronetplus-insight.eu. Don't forget to come back for the next episode, where we will talk about the sharing economy. Is a problem shared? A problem halved? Stay tuned! <laughs>